The Koi Gig Pod has made a new signing. Your goalkeeping coach is your god. Emma Byrne is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The Football Show on Off The Ball With Sky Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports I'm prepared to end it I can well, do, it then. Again. do it then What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Now you're welcome along football show so Joe Malloy still here Dan McDonald of the Irish Independence Studio We were oh. trying to remember there how long it had been Ma- a matter of weeks I mean it's not quite like a school reunion three weeks yeah I mean, if not four it's pretty crap in terms of a reunion discussion but it had been a while though you'd kept in touch I often get a sarky Dan McDonald text when I'm on air <laughs> I mean, listen to be fair I'd, I'd often receive one from you but I won't discuss it sure. yeah when you're on air? No, 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 when I'm on air. Oh, yeah, no, the, oh, no. No, you love a good... You, Joe's on air now, so I'll text him some <laughs> constructive feedback on yeah, the, the performance. That, that is accurate. Yeah. No, no, you might text something like you might read something interesting in the Sunday papers that you might want to discuss, for example. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, you might be on air about that and you might... Get one your We thoughts. do talk sometimes. No, yeah. we, do, we talk plenty. We talk yeah. plenty, but um, I do know if I'm on air yeah. and the phone vibrates and I look down <laughs> and see Dan McDonald. It's a, mis- a mistake has just been made here. I do do a quick, what did I do? What, what did I say this time? What, <laughs> what have I said? What, yeah. was that, what did we yeah. do? I feel it doesn't portray me in a positive light. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, it is accurate. It's so accurate. <laughs> so, like, you just sometimes need to embrace it. Like, I mean, I'm, sometimes I'm disappointed. I embrace it to the extent that I flick it open when I'm on air <laughs> and have a quick glance just to see if I've made it. I'm just going to start now when you're on air just sending you a, it's funny pictures, you wow. know, just just like like nonsense stuff, you know, mm. some, some like viral rubbish. But that's no, just you know, just international weekend upon us, Dan. Yes, it is. Uh, normally, the first weekend of September, as I'm sure you know, but it's sort of pushed a bit back as part of this mad year that we have. Like, yeah. there's normally like a window in September and a window in October. This year, we just have one between the two months. Well, even it's very. So we were just uh, touching on this in the news round. So the uh, uh, Stephen Kenny's uh, reign, his tenure, will be much decided by next year the Euro 2024 qualifiers. So the draw is on uh, the 9th of October yeah, in right. Frankfurt. And then just, I was just having a glance trying to get my head around, what is the uh, schedule post-World Cup? Because everything leads to Qatar and I haven't thought too much beyond that. So uh, in effect, the whole Euro 2024 qualifying uh, campaign will be 10 match days from March to November. Now there will be a playoff, obviously, um, mm. in the new year, but it's a really intense seven, eight months that will decide all in many ways for Stephen King. Yeah. And it's full on. Yeah, and um, they've actually just, UEFA have announced some of the regulations today, like Russia aren't in 2024. Um, so you say 10, there's 10 match days, no, you are right, but I think there's like only seven groups of, of five. It's quite likely Ireland could end up in another, like the percentage chance is weighted towards being like in another five-team group, which is like eight games, which is like that World Cup group with the one with Portugal, Serbia, Luxembourg and Azerbaijan. So um, it's it's very important um, but it's concentrated into a period and it's it's sort of like, oh, yeah. you know, it has a sort of a knockout feel to elements of it. Like you lose your first two games like Ireland have previously and uh, you're you're really behind the eight ball very, very early. You don't have that time. to. And, and sometimes it's deceiving. Like I think sometimes with Stephen Kenny, he's ended up in these five team groups and the whole thing about win ratios and stuff, you know, you don't have your game against Andorra that like gets your stats up for like, you know, wins and competitive goals and all this. But as a result, it sort of means that every game is a, is a really big one. One other piece of news, Dan, I was reading in uh, the Irish Independent by Dan McDonald. 
Oh, yeah. I'd be a, a regular yeah. reader. Uh, he was saying the FAI on the point of finalising uh, friendlies in November against uh, Malta away, but the headline news would be Erling Haaland coming to Dublin. Yeah, no, and this has been, to be fair, then it's been knocking around for a few weeks about the the these games are the ones that are floated. And yeah, you, like you're talking there about, say, the, the schedule, and it is a weird one that, um, and this is to do with probably games being lost in September, October, but you have these UEFA deals um, that you have to play a certain amount of games. So we're going to try to shoehorn in two friendlies between that window between the Premier League ending and the World Cup starting. In fact, it's possible that the game at Malta will be the same day the World Cup starts. So it's crammed in there. But the whole headline thing, as you say, is like Haaland, who of course isn't going to the World Cup, Norway didn't qualify. Mm. So you would assume then if Ireland do end up playing Norway, the chances of them playing would be reasonably high because they're not, it's not as if they're they're playing on a friendly on a Thursday and then going to Qatar on the Tuesday or something. Yeah. So With kids running onto the pitch to Haaland at full time. Yeah. Malta versus the Republic of Ireland on the same day the World Cup starts really does feel like after the Lord Mayor's show. It's it's a weird one, yeah. If it does happen to go ahead, like normally FIFA don't allow it, but of course, everything with this World Cup in Qatar, and um, I see Ian Herbert has done a big piece in the in the mail. I, I almost meant to mention it off air. It's probably something to, to return to. He's done a big sort of expose piece after having been there. And, uh, on Qatar? Yes. He was there for five days and just about... like Found great things, did he? Um, <laughs> found that, I, mean, I was speaking to someone else who was out there quite recently and, and they were describing uh, the stadiums are finished and everything else is a building site. In fact, the roads are finished. You know, it's obviously good. You need roads to go to stadiums. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else is, is not ready. But it just feels like... I don't know if your people will be aware of this, but FIFA at the last minute decided to just change the date of the opening game by 24 hours yeah. just to bring it forward because... Uh, they decided, oh, maybe Qatar should actually be the first game. So this is how this World Cup has been done on the run, like completely been done on the run. And as a result, they can't complain if the friendlies clash with uh, the first match. Uh, speaking of Haaland, by the way, just very quickly. Oh, yeah. Paul O'Hare in the Irish Daily Star today. Uh, Duffer. So um, we'll touch on the FAI quarterfinals in more uh, detail later on. I know you were at the one between Shelburne and Bohemians. So uh, it seems uh, Duffer... Big fan of Erling Haaland. Yes. And so uh, Sean Boyd, uh, who obviously scored at the weekend, uh, Duff was talking about him, and uh, it seems Sean Boyd has been given a Damien Duff made uh, Erling Haaland video. So Duff was saying, Haaland for me, best striker in the world. I've made a video, borderline a meeting on him, which lasts 15 minutes because I love him so much, said Damien Duff. Any striker that signs for the club, any young players, Gavin Hodgins, they've all seen it. It's just all positional play in the box. He's quick, he's strong. He can finish, but it comes down to positional play. The exact same as Lewandowski. The video I made for Sean, he has it on his phone. I think he watches it daily. His uh, first goal on Sunday looked like something you'd see from Holland. It was out of the player's eye line, go into the goal, come in, back early. Nobody sees him. He put the ball into the net. But Holland, yeah, we reference him a lot. It's kind of interesting. It's funny. It's like we've planned this, except we haven't. It's right. a perfect segue, but... Uh, uh, Myself and Johnny with our League of Ireland Central podcast, we had Sean Boyd on today. So that's coming out tomorrow. Nice. And we were talking to Sean Boyd and Luke Byrne from... Does Shells. he watch the video every yes. day like Duff thinks? Yes. Okay. And apparently uh, Duff speaks about Haaland and De Bruyne all of the time in training. They were speaking about it today, just like it's a regular thing that he brings up. And uh, people might not be familiar with Sean Boyd, but actually Sean Boyd's physique, like he's a he's a, he's almost six foot five. He's a striker playing through the middle. So it's not like, you know, you're not showing Haaland clips to your number 10, like your playmaker, but showing it to someone like Boyd would be incredibly relevant. And Boyd was saying, like, yeah, it's, it's not the obvious things. And I said, like, Duff makes 
the clips himself you know like Duff goes in and cuts it and makes it so um, I feel like Duff's making the sandwiches yeah. <laughs> it does everything room. like Luke, Luke Byrne was saying that like and Luke Byrne was his coach when Duff was managing the underage team the under 17s so like knows him incredibly well he's talking about Duff's the hardest working person he's ever met in football yeah. he said at 11 o'clock at night you get a WhatsApp clip from Damien Duff something he's just done himself something he's watched himself so I know some of that can read like um uh you know, quotes after a match that are like they sound great but it, it is actually reflective of the the real deal but he is a he is a big big Haaland fan just unfortunate Waterford Shells through the cup semi-final I think it's on the same time as Liverpool and Man City yeah. so they're not going to be able to like watch Haaland like they're going to have to try and get to the cup final well themselves yeah. for something that wasn't planned that worked out bloody well yeah uh, so we're reacquainting ourselves with the Irish team it's funny we didn't email in on a slight tangent I heard it yeah and I thought like I, I related to it a touch I do have that same sense sometimes of okay jogging my memory and where are we and where were we and who played well yeah. and, I, and I haven't seen quite a few of the players like I didn't know Jason Knight was playing is it right back or right, right back right wing back right back see I've heard right wing back well, I, the last couple I, of days. I'm trusting the Derby Telegraph who've been covering them on okay. the basis of, I haven't seen Derby myself this year point proven so it'd be hard for me to say how's Knight's recent form. You know, you're you're working off uh, reports as opposed to if we were all being able to watch them all the time. Um, so just to rejog where we are: Nations League, Ukraine seven points, Scotland six points. They've both played three games, and then Ireland four games, four points. Hmm. That win against Scotland and then the draw away to Ukraine has really plucked a yeah. sketchy situation out of the fire. So uh, the previous windows, we had the friendlies in uh, March with the Belgium 2-all draw and the Troy Parrot winner against Lithuania. And then we've, we're coming off the back of our 10 days in June, which started badly. We uh, saw Ireland lose to Armenia 1-0 away, 92nd in the world, beaten in Yerevan. But that was off the back of an eight-match unbeaten run coming in. So there was a degree of, OK, let's see how we go. And then that Ukraine, uh, badly affected Ukraine side, were 1-0 winners in Dublin. And it was a fairly lethargic kind of an Irish performance and then there was not pressure for his job but there was like a degree of pressure it was nonetheless un- yeah just the unease because uh, of course the point was before those four games the contract had been signed uh, yes so it was like so there's no more debate about his future two two games later it's like those <laughs> those shadowy FAI board members who weren't happy before have suddenly have suddenly decided ah, um. so uh, well we had Scotland nil Ireland 3 in Dublin Obafemi Troy Parrott very much to the fore a change in midfield shape which we'll come on to in a second yeah. and then uh, against the Ukraine best team or stronger team than the one in Dublin a one all draw away and suddenly those last two results all is well again and uh, that's how we pitch up into this window Yeah and like I, I did listen to that text and and you do hear discussions around this time and I suppose like I'm a tre- dreadful example because like I probably am paid to remember like things that happened you know, in the June window, like incredibly, like off the top of your head, and you'd sort of hear some things, and you'll see it now when a team is named, and someone will be like, uh, "The Ireland team be named on Friday." I'd say James McLean will be in it, and there'll be like hundreds of messages below the FAI. So, why is McLean in? Why? And you're like, "Well, do you not remember the games in the summer when he actually came in and made a brilliant impact yeah. after two games?" And you know, that's possibly why he's in the team. And we had that previously with Jeff Hendrick who'd actually been playing quite well for Kenny um, although he's probably one of the players that would be in, in difficulty this week because of what happened in the last window or not we'll see I think I suspect that he'll be a talking point later in the week either way um, but there is that sense of and particularly those four games in June were like t- in a 10 day it was almost yes. like a tournament yeah. that you didn't necessarily have a week to sort of digest one it, it, like even between that 
uh, that amazing performance against Scotland or really good performance against Scotland three days later I mean John Egan didn't play in Ukraine Shane Duffy but people remember Daryl Lenehan made his debut yes. you know Daryl O'Shea Scott Hogan started like a lot happened in that it was well, like a tournament as opposed to a traditional qualifier Well can yeah. I because I just look back at the teams again can I jog your memory and you can tell us how that informs what we're about to see so what jumps out the Armenia defeat and then the Ukraine defeat back to back I mean the most obvious difference there is that it was very much Cullen and he's he's an ever present so yeah. it's Cullen in midfield with Hendrick and it's a front three of Ogbené Callum Robinson and Troy Parrott so I guess the deal there is Hendrick and Cullen in midfield and Callum Robinson drop in and help a little bit uh, when needed so across those two games it became apparent to Callum Robinson not in the form of uh, of old where he was scoring uh, goals for fun and just wasn't himself so those two games defeat to Armenia defeat to Ukraine Hendrick and Cullen Callum Robinson maybe dropping back in and then for the Scotland game it was all change and what we had in midfield was a change of formation we we, we pretty much went to a we can call it 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 depending on your uh, persuasion but either way it was Cullen it was Malumbi in and it was Knight in so like a proper midfield three and and two up front Obafemi and Parrott against yes. Scotland and it was Parrott who stayed on with as you mentioned Hogan uh, against Ukraine subsequently so Malumbi Cullen Knight started against Scotland with the two up top they started again against Ukraine with the two up top so uh, the question or what, what I'm putting to you is the first two games uh, we had Hendrick and Cullen in midfield and a, a striker of sorts dropping deep. Would we, I want to say, would have been Parrott dropping in more so than Robinson in in that in those in those games? Like it would have been the sort of the three four. Yeah, although he didn't even play against Ukraine at home. No, sorry, he didn't. But in the first game, it would have been Parrott dropping Parrot, in. Parrot, so yeah. someone dropping in yeah. basically. Yeah. Whereas it seems Stephen Kenny looked at the Ukraine defeat and the Armenia defeat, and he said, "I'm going to bolster midfield a touch more." Cullen, Malumbi, Knight, in you go. I'm not sure, did Hendrick have a knock or was it just down to form? But either way, uh, that split strikers with three dedicated midfielders, is that, is, I mean, there's been many a time where we've said, is this now Stephen Kenny's approach going forward? But yeah. that, that, that's where we leave off in June. Yeah, and like I, I was actually writing about this for tomorrow. Like, I think there's Being two, very in sync. Yeah, yeah, I like that. There's, there's two elements to it. Like, and you've, you've honed in big time on the formation aspect of it there. But I think a big thing about that window for Kenny was uh, an element of form as well too that and it's what like you said like continuity in international football is something that he's probably strived for from the start remember all the time the COVID like the chopping and changing and never picked the same team you know back to back ever and and we would have sat here and, and, and had discussions about he needs a settled side I mean, I'd hear John Giles say it a lot he needs a settled team but maybe what happened in June was um, you can argue he was too loyal to a settled team from before when Callum Robinson hadn't played for uh, a number of weeks Ogbeni's season at Rotherham had finished extremely early and Hendrick uh, hadn't really played either um, and I think he was probably always going to freshen it up after two games of that window or maybe one or two games of that window but it wasn't the case that Hendrick had a knock or anything like that I think it was Ogbeni actually did but I think he probably would have been dropped anyway because I think there was a sense of this was my best team before, but it's it's now not my best team. And Obafemi is this guy who's in incredible form right now, but he hadn't he hadn't he hadn't played for Ireland effectively since his debut. So you can't necessarily pitch the form guy in, or so he thought. And then in hindsight, you're thinking maybe maybe that's what you do. Like, what to what extent is continuity 
important here you know like so and that sort of brings you to a, like a big point for this week and I think this is a big point around the game on Saturday in the sense of um, Ireland beat Scotland 3-0 very recently uh, and they did it with this particular side you know, all the outfield players are available they played in that game um, Callagher is, is not his only player is, is absent um, so you can go with exactly the same thing but but then is that actually in danger of making the mistake um, from before in the sense that Obafemi now is in this difficult club situation where he's, he's played two minutes of football in the month of September and Ogbené who in sort of power rankings terms was like was was struggling is now flying at championship level with Rotherham is having probably the best season of his career and can you risk benching someone like him on form but there's two elements too I think the three five two um was definitely an important tweak bolstering midfield but also I think Malumbi's energy and aggression in midfield versus a half cooked and undercooked Jeff Hendrick um I think now Hendrick is playing regularly so there's there's a few decisions he's going to have to make there and I think it's it's as much about players form as about formation and it's so interesting so uh, again this is what he's trying to figure out the weighting you give to you know it applies to Duffy and it applies to Big Coleman time, Duffy yeah you know uh, last game for me where they were good like a Callum Robinson versus their interim yeah their form in the interim so he's asked about that situation in the press conference it's a good time to play that clip so he's asked about uh, lots, lots of players, unfortunately, at the moment are just not getting football week in, week out. And and to what extent there's a hard and fast rule on this issue? Like, is it you have to play for your club if you want to start for Ireland versus uh, rewarding previous form for Ireland? It's not ideal that any of the players that are not playing in their teams. It's not, it's not an ideal situation, particularly over, over a, a long period of time. Uh, I just can't have a. Just I don't think I can just come in with a consistent rule. You know, one size fits all rule. You know, we'll have to we'll have to um, judge each case on its on its merits, the individual strengths of the team, what we need, and um, but you don't like you wouldn't want to go in with too many players having not playing matches, um, and uh, we even learned a little bit about that in June. You know, where players had come in and have that five week break and maybe had not been in their team for a couple of weeks before that, and starting and uh, so that these are these are. <coughs> part of the learning curve for us yeah it sure is and they're figuring out who can probably do it without having played a lot of games and who needs the games at club level to perform then for Ireland and there's all, again I think he's right to say there's no hard and fast rule if we work backwards for a, for a second so the memory of June is Obafemi and Parrot you know like if you were to kind of say yeah. what got people excited and Collins Nathan Collins to be fair yeah. oh for sure yeah. for sure for sure so Obafemi is playing his one goal in eight games. Troy Parrott is also playing. He has no league goals in ten. He has one league cup goal, which came a couple of weeks ago. Although the context for Parrott is Preston aren't a free-scoring outfit. So Three goals, I think, in ten games. They yeah. may not be creating all that many chances for him. And Robbie Brady did say that Parrott's general form, is uh, his general play is very good. So even though they're not scoring lots of goals, just by dint of the fact that Obafemi and Parrott are playing games added to what they did against Scotland are they pretty much nailed on as the front two do you think I'm not see I'm not so sure I mean it comes back to your your, your text from earlier on uh, speak to people who are watching Preston a lot and they'll say Parrot's actually playing pretty well like and I, I've heard Parrot's Brady said that today yeah, yeah. And like, and like but I, I suppose another teammate will probably say that but sure. um, I've heard it discussed in the context of was it was a Brian Kerr maybe on the weekend it was context of you know Parrot's struggles or like there was that sort of tone hanging over it but I don't know if that's actually felt by people who've been seeing Parrot every week you know that's 
all these things are opinions, I suppose. But I think I think Parrot will play. I think Obafemi is the one where it comes back to that um, that question mark over again. Has he? Does he need that bit? Like last season was the first full season of football he played, and if he's lost a bit of that, do you then go with Ogbeni instead? Like Ogbeni, who's um, he's been incredible for Rotter. You know, incredible maybe he's a bit strong actually, but he's been very good. He scored five goals in eleven games in the championship. He's now playing up front for Rotherham. Mm. Um, I watched him play against Middlesbrough last week. He was sharp. Um, and again, is this a game where Ireland are going to be on the front foot as much, or is it a game where they might be under a small bit more pressure at times? And actually, Ogbeni as an outball could be, you know, with with that form plus maybe a slightly different to ask. Could he get to not ahead of Obafemi? Now, Kenny will probably get hammered if he do, if he does that and it doesn't work out. You know, and Ireland lose because how can you look? It looks like Obafemi is the best player, but being the best player, you know, I think I I would say Obafemi probably has more natural ability than Ogbeni. But does that necessarily mean? This is comes back to that equation of it's you know form versus sort of fitness or sharpness o- or whatever. Obafemi's last game was 17th of September. There's this issue now he's having with his manager who said he has to win back the trust of... Uh, two minutes in the 17th of September. His last one prior to that was in August. So. Okay, so he may not be match sharp as such. But I just... I, so, Parrot playing lots, not scoring. Obafemi having this issue of late, but before that played eight. I just would have thought what has to fe- loom large for them is, well, hang on. The last time these two played together, magic things happened. No, I know. So, yeah. like, surely... I mean, if Callum Robinson deserved another crack at the whip in June, then surely Obafemi and Parrot together... But the, but the, but it was a mistake to do that with Robinson, get, giving him that other crack at the whip. Like that's the I think that's the the norm of Learning. this sort of okay. dilemma. It's 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 a case of um, yes, maybe maybe I should have pitched Obafemi in earlier in June, but maybe now is the time that you don't do that. Fair you enough. know, and Scott, and it's also like it was also against Scotland that they did it, and which in one which in one way is great. It's like you can have it in your head. Um, or they, they have. They, they have something over Scotland but Scotland probably weren't prepared for that there it was unexpected what are they prepared for this time like what's their preparations well, geared about it was you know? on Monday and uh, so in June Scotland were heartbroken after losing to Ukraine yes. in the playoff and now they arrive into this with Steve Clark under a, a touch of pressure and revenge very much on their minds and far more focused on Hamden Park so it's a very different Scotland okay well so we don't know who's going to play up top I presume Cullen, Malumby and Knight We'll get another go as the midfield. See, there you go. I, Stephen Kenny's always picked Jeff Hendrick when he's been fully fit and available. So I, I just think Hendrick, Hendrick versus Malumbi, I think is probably the decision. There. Okay, fair enough. And then the back, let's call it the back five, just for easiness' sake. So his um, most used trio: Collins, Duffy, and Egan. So Collins and Egan, fine. Oh, they'll definitely play. Fit, healthy, all good. And then Duffy is on the bench for Fulham. Yeah. But he's worked well with the, uh, yeah. Two this lads quite this a bit. that's this is the key one. I think Dart, I mean Doherty will be right wing back, and I think McLean will be left wing back. And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Brady come in against Armenia, where Ireland probably have more of the ball, and your sort of distribution from left wing back would be very important. I think mm. it's more likely to be McLean and, and Doherty. So the, so yeah, the, the 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 third choice in the back is between 
between three players really between Dara O'Shea Shane Duffy and Seamus Coleman and it has a positional implications for Nathan Collins because Nathan Collins that solo run and that amazing performance against Ukraine came from the centre of the back three where of course he was taking the ball and driving on and sort of you know your your centre player in the back three their Mm. passing is very important that's obviously been the concern about Shane Duffy at times Um, so if you play Collins in the middle of the three then you can't really play Duffy on the right of him it comes down to O'Shea or Seamus Coleman Duffy likes to play in the middle Yes, I think he's probably he can he has played at times on the right, but I just I, I I'd be surprised if Kenny went that way. Um, he feels a bit vulnerable out there. Yeah, but yeah, now you do have Matt Doherty potentially there, a more natural defender than say Alan Brown. Although Alan Brown was exceptional, although he probably had a bad moment for the Ukraine goal, um, the the last goal Ireland conceded. Um, but that that's the equation. Like it's a case of like Darrow Shea was very good against Ukraine on the left side, and there would be an argument that. Um, uh, a, a right footer is able to sort of spread diagonals from the left cutting inside helps the team in terms of its uh, passing range and you could play Egan on the right like that's an option that you you could sort of utilise so that's the decision and it's a, it's a big part of again it comes back to what we've started this chat around is how fit do you think Shane Duffy is like I know previously managers wouldn't be that concerned about a player Matt Sharp in September because they'll have played games in pre-season and they're not that far behind but this is a little bit later into September as I mentioned at the start this is you know seven league games have been played and he hasn't he hasn't been involved in them um, Would you expect Duffy to get in? I think Actually. if you put sort of put a gun to Fulham the head oh at Fulham yeah. well he was signed there on loan but they've stuck with the two centre halves who were there when they got promoted but yeah. I would assume the plan is he'll come in at some stage okay. to play um, but in terms of Friday and what I think will happen I'm sort of I cheap changing my mind on this but I just wonder will he still go for Duffy with Collins on the right side and Egan on the left and I'm thinking okay Andy Robertson isn't playing but uh, Scotland do have Kieran Tierney who's like an exceptional player and I just wonder you know Collins and Doherty on the right side of the pitch like gives you a great I mean that's a very strong yeah. sort of combination Egan and McLean have an understanding on the other side and while Duffy a criticism at times might be of him in the central of the three they might drop back a little bit too deep sometimes I feel like this is a game where Ireland might have to do a bit more defending you know and there'll be balls in the box for it sure. may well be if it's Shea Adams playing um you know, Duffy did very well in the physical stuff in the first game. The issue we had was playing out once or twice. Um, but I suppose that's... that's well, you do forget that, from that uh, Scotland game that if... Was it Scott Brown? Yeah, that was John, John McGinn. John McGinn, had, sorry. John McGinn. If John McGinn had taken one of those many mm. gifts, we were very different complexion. Sliding doors moment. And it came from sort of elaborate stuff at the, at the back which if you can see the goal from it it becomes you know it, it forms the basis of a sort of a philosophical argument that people will form of like yeah. oh, you just, just lump it you Scott Brown still playing for Scotland? Scott Brown is now the manager of Fleetwood Town Yeah I was thinking He's, uh, unlikely Yeah I mean I know like these things fade into memory a little bit God. too far but that's it's taking you back to you think the game took place in 2015 or something I was thinking is he that evergreen that he's still <laughs> yeah. doing it for Scotland and he, when, he, when he was basis. playing he wasn't necessarily getting onto the ball like John McGinn at the edge of the box sort of sweeping a left foot or just wide But um, did Billy Gilmore play in Dublin? Uh, Gilmore I think Gilmore did play I mean this is the thing I yeah, think it was hard. Gilmore uh, I remember the uh, yeah because it was it was Grant Handley in defence I think he's missing um, they struggled badly at the back but um, Robertson played Tierney was unavailable for that one I think Gilmore played but they got they got yeah because they, they got bullied a bit like Malumbi actually just that's the thing he was a bit of a disruptor 
yeah. in there and cause a few brain problems. plays tricks if you'd said to me now which industrious Scottish midfielder passed up when those chances against Ireland <laughs> it's Scott when you start saying to me do you remember Gordon Jury had that chance <laughs> in the first half that's when it's a little more concerning oh uh, dear uh, football on off the ball is brought to you by Skywatch Premier League Women's Super League EFL Scottish Premiership and much more live in Sky Sports uh, Dan staying with us any text thoughts to 53106 Football on Off The Ball With Sky Get all the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports Now you're very welcome back A few texts in I hate doing this, I'm reading them blind (laughs) No (laughs) And somebody says Ogbene was never struggling I was at the home game against Ukraine. He was by far our best player, only lost his place because of injury, in my opinion, our best striker. No, that's a, that's an opinion. I don't think Ogbeni had a great game in Yerevan, personally. I don't think. No, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think he was at his, his peak in that window. And, like, and in fairness to him, Rotherham, I think, had finished the season in April. I think there was mixed reviews on his performance against... Uh, Ukraine. He got some good reviews in some places and not so much in others. I didn't think he was terrifically good. Okay. No. I misread a text, so now it makes sense to me. I just the lack of self awareness of what we were both wearing. Well, lads, the shirts. Are you, are you on your way home from Garrett Brooks or what? Says Mick and Tella. No, didn't no, make it. A surefire sign of people who are not buying clothes <laughs> very often. <laughs> <laughs> These were in fashion, maybe. We actually live in the same area. Did you encounter any of the Garrett Brooks traffic? Did I what? I like. I went for a walk and encountered the, the human traffic. A lot of people. They really those lads selling the hats did well out of that, didn't they? they like, I think every every character who was going, I mean, they just needed a hat. Everyone got dressed up for it, didn't they? The hat was like the hat was the equivalent of people buying like people buy the headband going to Croke Park. You never go to a game, but like I need something. So like there was just two lads nearby for me. Like they're in their sort of jeans and shoe, as Richie McCormick would say. But mm. they didn't. Their, their look wasn't complete. Mm. Got the two hats on the run. Probably paid whatever whatever the going rate was, and off they went. Yeah. But um, no, I've never been to. I've never oh, no, been to. I don't a get it. Screen. Don't get it at all. Tell you what, you're in the wrong game. I know. Do the walkout for that. Bit of introduction. Like we're talking about this. Like last week, someone like four hundred thousand people, <laughs> like went. I know, I know some people went twice. Probably more people than like who voted. I mean, country. I see some people who've gone. By the way, this is a complete tangent. Some people have gone who like clearly have no interest in that. It's just the event of the Garth Brooks concert became a thing. Yeah. Do you know, there's some people who have like. Uh, do any like, how many of these people have a Garth Brooks tune on their Spotify or music collection well, I th- a lot I, of northern look, cars though as well it must be said I wouldn't pretend Big to be north. able to kind of pierce the Garth Brooks bubble but my sense of people around my age going is like real nostalgia this is what we listen to in the car yeah Did you, yeah like was, a certain ironic oh let's go I think it was ironic oh no no no, no. but like sorry ironic is the wrong word but a lot like, of people uh, are big time into it a nostalgic Oh, we listened to that in the car mum and dad travelling down the country to our grandparents yeah. that's where we fell in love with Gareth but we don't but, listen to him on Spotify but now. it's like 5-10% to 10% of, the, of the population of the island was there too. yeah I understand that I don't, I don't yeah. want to say about but, it but just stop dressing like him then <laughs> uh, someone claiming to be Aidan O'Reardon is texting yes the sat beside you at a game Shells Bowes on Sunday Verify yeah. that okay, He was undercover good. Yeah yeah. Sat beside Dan at the Bowes Shells game Can confirm he was there early Didn't leave or Didn't leave early And was still on holidays That was correct It was my last day of holidays But I, I strolled down the road To Talca Very pleasant Sunday afternoon Apart from Anyone 
for the, the Bowes. I heard you said uh, you're, there's a lot of angry Bowes fans around the place. I, I assume there's a video you might have seen of uh, Bowes fans abusing their players. But um, but I've spoken to two Bowes fans and one of them told me he hasn't been as mad at a bunch of players since Tommy Lyons is Dublin. That's definitely Rory O'Connor, right? <laughs> <laughs> I met him. I wasn't working, so I can say this. I, I met him for a drink afterwards. And, uh, a rant. But his family, they were... Disgusted. They were not well at the time. Yeah. Were Bose. I mean, they were object. extremely bad. Like, I, I was making this point to someone earlier. Like, the whole like football commentary, the, the whole nature of it. And we see it with Ireland. Like, there's extremes, right? A team wins... And I'd probably veer into it myself, like talking about the Scotland performance, that was incredible. No, it was it was a very good performance, but you win, so it makes it incredible. But if a team loses, it's dreadful. Like Ireland against Ukraine at home actually wasn't dreadful. They just lost. They weren't great. That was very but lethargic. Lethargic, absolutely. But Bowes on Sunday were genuinely dreadful. Okay. Like like appallingly, appallingly bad. Like, do you know what I mean? like we can people just overreact and it was like, no, no, this was particularly bad. Okay. And and as bad as I've seen for a team whose season depends on it, like that from the first minutes, you didn't need to be sort of doing very sophisticated analysis. It was just shells are a team. They are up for this. They are, they are, and Bows at the moment are not a team and they were exposed, but their fans, they were not happy. There was a great bit where the, a lot of fans left early. So the, the shells PA called it out. Would they, do you know that, that shout out would the remaining Bose fans stay for 15 minutes after the game because you showed me a video when the Bose players went to applaud the away fans they were told in no uncertain terms what. yeah and you, you have mixed views on that don't you but I, I think like people who people who probably pay in in my opinion they're entitled to to vent sometimes it goes too far but Jordan Flores one of the players who people might remember from his incredible goal for the dock a couple of years ago that goal that went around the world yeah. like he actually went right up to them Try to reason with them to talk to now them it goes well. I think you actually got more credit for doing that okay. relative to maybe others who well, then that would suggest that they away. weren't they had, hadn't lost all uh, sense of themselves often I think when you see players get closer to fans it actually heats things up and get it, do, it doesn't tend to calm down it tends yeah, to go I think one way James Talbot who's injured who was in the Ireland squad mm. he was not involved he's still injured but he, he was over as well trying to talk to but anyway right. it was we're, emotions were high of a Sunday afternoon we're going off track well you were spotted anyway so there you I go was, and, and I was obviously there, yeah. let everyone know I'm on my holidays and I'm yeah, still just here just to be clear I'm, yeah. I'm, I am a football man Indeed. I'm not just doing this for doing this for cash uh, lads Billy Bremner killed us in June what are we going to do about him this time around <laughs> Billy Gilmore come off the bench by the way I was just checking that in the ads yeah. Scott McTominay played which I actually did he yeah he did you know that is such a sliding doors moment that game because Scotland had more shots more possession Ireland was just lethal and we scored a calibre of goal that we're not going to score routinely. Yeah, no, but it wasn't, I think it was the right result though. It wasn't, like, you had those early chances, but it wasn't a smash and grab. But I know it, it was one of those things where Ireland, at times under Kenny, I actually think they've started a lot of games quite well. Yeah. And then never scored. Like, they've not scored in that period. And then the game has got worse as it's gone along. Um, but that yes. was one where they, they scored when they had a little moment and then it just ignited. Well, it sure did ignite. Before we get to sidetracked here, just a few other bits and pieces. So Andrew Omabamadeli out injured, uh, which is why we're talking about, is it Duffy or Mm. who goes in? Uh, Some more Stephen Kenny to bring people. So Robbie Brady is the maybe feel good story of the window. He's back in an Irish squad after 18 months away. He's um, he's trusting his fitness and his body again. And he's playing well for Preston at left wing back. Yeah. So Stephen Kenny was talking about Robbie Brady. It's competition for places, obviously a few 
tight decisions um, around and that's what you want and um, we have a very good training session today and that was, was competitive and uh, that was that, that was a good day today for us um, Robbie you know at the moment we'd see him as a left wing back because um, that's where he's been playing for a, for a period and it's difficult just to shift into another position at international level from club level when you haven't played there in a long time but you're right there's no reason why he couldn't fit into a sort of left of a 3-5-2 which would have been what he was probably born to play but like definitely uh, um, he's been playing left wing back at that level and I think that's where we see him so uh, naturally given the opposition on Saturday and given the fact that the win against Scotland in June was maybe the high point or close to it of Stephen Kenny's tenure he was asked for his thoughts on uh, why June against Scotland went so well and, and obviously thoughts as well on Saturday it was, it was a very good performance and it wasn't perfect you know like we we, we um, conceded a couple of chances in the game and you know there's areas I think there's areas in that performance we can, we can improve on um, there's, there's numerous uh, areas we can improve on but it was a very very good performance but we have to move on from it you know we can, you know that was that was then now and we've got to got to go to Hamden very determined um, because their home record Scotland's home record is excellent and um, we're going to have to be put in a you know a really brilliant performance to get a result there and that's that's our, that's what we're trying to do so how good are Scotland is a question. Obviously got to play off for a World Cup, which suggests a real upturn under Clark. And then um, he seemed to be on the end of a huge amount of criticism for certainly the game in Dublin. And I guess the performance against Ukraine wasn't great either. So Pat Nevin on Monday, we were um, just trying to compare the two squads. And mm. I was making the point that in Bizunu and Collins, Ireland have two players now in the Premier League that play you know, with a certain kind of certainty or, or routinely. And we were totting up. So the Scots have 10. Yeah, I did that myself actually earlier. Yeah. Big number. And they're missing one or two as well, who, who like, that's 10 in that squad. Mm. And there's a couple who were absent who would also play quite regularly. Now, Nevin, um, in response to that, said, yes, and that is good. That said, we struggle for a goal scorer and we're a little light in the centre of defence. I mean, Who's not struggling for a goal scorer, I suppose. Yeah, well, who, yeah, but Ireland are certainly not light in the centre of defence. But that is a striking thing. Like, there's definitely a feeling you can get at Scotland in that department. And you asked generally how good are Scotland. And I think at times there's been a criticism of Clark that he would be at times viewed as a conservative coach. Um, mm. And I heard Pat like strikingly, like, they almost feel as a golden generation of sorts, you know, this Scotland team without sort of. A, overplaying it um, but there there is a, a really good crop but again that classic thing of like they've got two in the same position like Robertson and Tierney for example um, and you know John McGinn is a high class player and I mean you mentioned the Premier League players but they also have like some, some good Celtic players as well too like you have a strong Celtic team at the moment as well um, although they don't necessarily always play depending on what they do like I mean Callum McGregor actually played in Dublin um, for example but they sometimes rotate it but yeah, they're okay. Like their their home form is strong. Is something Stephen Kenny has spoken about. Like they are playing Ukraine tomorrow, which is the thing. And the the, the slight thing about Scotland and and there there is sometimes like in a way we know this ourselves. Like, managers 
cycle in an international career is you have your high, you have your, your up and you surprise people. And there's a slight feeling that Steve Clark is going to be coming down off that there now yeah, to the point where maybe they're in that, maybe we just needed a change vibe. And if they were to get a bad result against Ukraine tomorrow, then they could be in a fragile place on Saturday. That's a sort of a glass half full take on them. Um, and Ireland could actually capitalise on that. But yeah, they have strong, they have good midfield players, but yeah, their end product, I don't think, I think it's, it's, it's easy to see a scenario where they don't score on Saturday because that Ireland can manage things well uh, in that area of the pitch um, because that's where Ireland do have some very strong players, but um, they have to do with more of them. Mm. The well, I guess their sure. best chances against Ireland were from Irish Possession. errors now yeah. they were after losing a World Cup playoff uh, a couple of days earlier better. so yeah. that's a pretty important caveat so just uh, and then I'll ask you the same question really I mean the importance of this uh, for Stephen Kenny and uh, like you're talking Steve Clark if he has a bad Nations League window what does that mean for him so same I guess endlessly applies to Stephen Kenny but here is Stephen Kenny uh, just giving reflections on how he saw that last June window and uh, the importance of this one a mixed window if you like you know whatever we started slowly and disappointed and then we finished strongly and um, did brilliantly against obviously the win against Scotland 3-0 and the performance in the Ukraine both games of Ukraine were very very evenly contested and I think um, so it's a, it's a big it's a, it's a big game for us. it's a great game Ireland against Scotland in the Nations League in in Hamden Park it's you know it's a famous venue and yeah, we're delighted to be going there and Scotland qualified for the European Championships previously a lot of players playing at the high end of the Premier League um, and you know they're, they're, they're a very strong team and we're, we're looking forward to playing against them and and you know we're, we're getting better all the time we, we definitely feel that and against some of the top teams we've played very well um, against Portugal twice and, and, um, and Belgium and teams of that ilk so, you know, we're looking forward to the game on Saturday. So these two games and the two friendlies, what do they mean for Stephen Kenny, the general um, mood music around him and the team as we head into 24? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, they're very important games, first and foremost, in the context of, like, Ireland finishing second in the Nations League group really matters. Um, outside chance of being second seeds for the Euros draw, but more likely about your finishing position to to have a bit of a better chance of a playoff in the back pocket if things don't go well next year. So there is an importance there, which means that if you get a bad point return, if Ireland somehow ended up finishing bottom in the group, like which would require pretty much like losing to Armenia again um, or other results going in such a way that Armenia have got good results elsewhere, then Kenny's probably dealing with a little bit of the crisis stuff, but not in a way that I think he would be vulnerable to like some some dramatic change. Um <laughs> so, like, so, so we've had this before we, we thought the Kenny referendum thing on every game would, would, would end with the contract but no. it hasn't we often every have bad s- result I like the same and, and it, it goes both ways right like there'll be an extreme of, of, of good reaction probably at times that can be exaggerated to good performances too but you just know if there's a bad result on Saturday I mean I, I, the same people will come out and you know who, who haven't said much in a while but they will come out with their sort of uh previous criticisms repeated which is fine but you would like the team to get to a baseline where the Armenia type results aren't happening yeah and in some ways the Armenia game it's not that it's the bigger of the two because like Scotland Ireland is like it's a big game but it is worth mentioning like Kenny's downfall or Kenny's if, if you were to judge Kenny on the basis of the games against bigger teams 
I think it, the, the review would be reasonably favourable. Yeah. The issue has been Luxembourg at home, Azerbaijan at home, Armenia away. Yeah. Games where teams have said, let's let them have the ball in, in the large part and they're not good enough to play through us. You'd imagine Armenia will probably try something similar next Tuesday and that's why probably to maybe banish some demons like probably Kenny's team with a view to next year needs to come out at home against a weaker side and sort of stamp on them a bit yeah. you know and, and and really assert themselves so um, I always felt the way that the, the games are like if, if Ireland whatever happens in Scotland to a degree within reason yeah. if, if they finish assertively against Armenia next Tuesday yeah the critics will remain but we will just go on and, and Kenny will ultimately be judged by the Euros campaign next year which I think is going to happen either way now regardless of what results happen it's all coming down to that draw and those eight games or ten games as yeah. you mentioned what was year. the um when they wore the blue jerseys was it against Qatar where they were just really yes. dominant at home yeah. that felt like there's something really good happening with this team like the way they kept possession and picked them apart that, yeah. that kind of a performance would be very welcome uh, we are pretty much out of time Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent I will uh, I don't know when I'll talk to you I'll see you next week Tuesday, uh, Monday Monday you're in Monday next week I believe so yeah Okay, I'll chat to you then. So we'll review Scotland, look ahead to Armenia. Thanks very much. No worries. Uh, football show here on Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. Watch Premier League, WSL, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and more live on Sky Sports. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.